this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. So good to be up here. Thanks, Musos. Yes, good to be here. And not only because I get to take off my mask and preach. But like Tim said, if that's what it takes to keep meeting together, I will happily wear my mask. Praise the Lord. Let's pray, church. Dear God, thank you, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that your presence is here this morning. Anoint us, Lord, now, we pray, to receive from your word. God, we long to be with you. We long to know you more. Help us to do that here this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think uh, last Sunday, Pastor Chris mentioned that we are running with a new theme of Uh, a new theme for January to kick off the year. So we are speaking about the very first line of our church mission statement, which I will read to you. So our, the mission statement of C3 Church Narara is to be continually reaching up to worship God, reaching out with the good news of Jesus and reaching in with love and training to make disciples. I love our church mission statement. You might not have even heard it before, and maybe you have forgotten about it, but just reading it again just reminds me of the amazing goals of this church, of our great pastors, to keep worshipping God and to bring as many people along to heaven as we can. And so for January, we are focusing on that very first line, reaching up to worship God. So I just love that it's, it's on us. To, to reach up, to worship God, to praise him, to receive from him, and to grow in him. So this morning, I am speaking about reaching up to God. The title of my message is Hunger and Thirst for Righteousness. So as you probably know, we all have a spirit inside of us that God put there when we were first created, and that spirit yearns for God continually. It never, ever stops being hungry for God. It reaches out to God. It loves hearing from God and wants to know God more, and we all have that spirit inside of us. That hunger will only be satisfied in Jesus. There is no other way, no earthly way that we can satisfy that hunger inside of us. It's like a physical hunger that must be satisfied. It's the same with our spirit. And I don't know about you, but I do not deal with physical hunger well at all. I hate the feeling of being hungry. And to that end, I rarely am hungry because I just plan my day and my life around three meals to stave off the feelings of hunger. I just can't stand it. I just feel 
lightheaded and kind of angry and it's just awful. Um, and there was a hunger-related incident, actually, that sticks out in my mind. A year or two ago, I was with some people in this church and we were at a conference and we were staying, some of us were staying in the same hotel and we said, we'll meet for breakfast. And I warned them, I did warn them. I said, yep, sure, I, I, I love going out for breakfast. But I did say, I, I kind of have to eat, you know, fairly soon after I wake up or I, otherwise I kind of get really hungry. And they were like, yeah, 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 no worries, that's fine, we'll meet at 8 o'clock. I'm like, 8 o'clock, I, I can do that. It's generally a bit later than I care to eat breakfast, but I can do it. So we met downstairs and someone had had a recommendation of a place nearby that we should go to to have breakfast. So we, we go outside and, and then someone looks at their phone and says, it's about a 20-minute walk, that should be okay. And I just, I, I said, no, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do a 20-minute walk on an empty stomach when it's, it's breakfast time now. And I did helpfully point out that there was a cafe right across the road that looked amazing. But no, no, we, wanted, we had to go to this, this great one that was recommended. So I said, no, I can't do the walk. So someone said, okay, let's just jump in a cab. I was like, yep, great, that's fine. So we get a cab and start driving. We gave him directions, only this driver clearly had no idea where he was going. He got us lost, so we ended up further away from where we were supposed to be. And I'm starting to get the, the lightheadedness and the hunger pangs, and it just wasn't good. Anyway, we finally just got this guy to drop us off. We were fairly close to where we were meant to be, and so we ended up walking there, and I made it. I did make it. I ate breakfast, and it was fine. You know what? It was actually really good because I learnt a great lesson. Always bring snacks. Praise the Lord. So, spiritual hunger is even more important. But that's how we feel. That's how our spirit feels. If you feel that kind of restlessness, that agitation, that kind of weird feeling, that is your spirit crying out to be satisfied by God. So I want to look today at some of the things that kind of stop us feeling this hunger from, for God or some of the things that we do to try and avoid this hunger or, or fill it up with other things. So the first thing is just we, we try and, and quell this hunger with other things that are not God. So if we're not careful, we can just get full of worldly things. Some of these, these things are, are not bad. Um, things like work and sport and social media and, and television, news, food. You know, none of, none of these things are bad in themselves. But if we're not careful, too much of it leaves not enough room for God. It's kind of like junk food. You know, if you're starving for dinner and you eat a block of chocolate, you might not be hungry anymore, but you're not satisfied you know, it's not nourishing. It doesn't fill you up in the way that you were really looking for. Another thing that can fill us up in the place of God is relationships. And you can see why people make this mistake because we are meant, clearly meant to be in relationship with other people. God designed it that way. That's why he made families and community and church so we would be surrounded with other people, so we can love one another, help one another, learn from one another, all of that. It's very important. 
But we cannot allow people to satisfy us more than God does. We can't look to people to do that instead of God. It's a mistake because people are not perfect. And really, it's unfair to put that expectation onto someone else because none of us are actually capable of fulfilling that expectation in another person. We all long to be loved and accepted and understood, but only God can really do that fully in the way that we need it. Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. So when we go to Jesus, we are always satisfied. But he says, he who comes to me, no one else, it's only him. You have probably noticed that it's often easier to be hungry for God when we're in a challenging or testing time. You know, um, we're waiting for a healing or there's a financial lack and so we need God to come through. Or we're just going through a really rough time and we need the comfort of God. So there's a need and we pray, which of course we should do. But what about when things are going well? What about when things are pretty cruisy? Those times when, you know, family is good, work is going well, things are just moving along nicely. We have to watch those times because we can get complacent. Like we've all probably been hungry, physically hungry, and wanted something to eat, but couldn't really be bothered to get up off the couch and go and make something to eat, you know? So we do have to watch those times. I mean, how many times have you thought, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading the Bible. My feelings tell me that sometimes. You've got to watch those feelings. They're sneaky. They'll try and get you to do things that you don't want to do. My feelings say that to me regularly. They say, I don't feel like praying today. I'm really tired, busy. Kids, it's, it's just too hard. And so I say to my feelings, so what? My feelings are not me, and I will not be someone who lets my feelings dictate my behaviour. You've got to watch out for them. So when my feelings come to me with those silly statements, like I don't want to pray, I don't feel like it, I come back at them, and I have scriptures ready for these times. Isaiah 61.10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Psalm 118 verse 19, open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. So I start to prophesy over myself. I love praying. I will pray. I will hear from God today. I will receive what he has for me. So I just declare the opposite of what my feelings are telling me because they don't dictate my behaviour. And the feelings, they don't go away straight away. They start to talk back. And they say again, but my soul doesn't rejoice in God. And again, I say, yes, it does. 
So I keep prophesying over myself. And sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. And that's okay. You know, God's okay with that. In fact, it's when I started looking for it, it's really all through the Bible, isn't it? I mean, let the weak say, I am strong. When we're sick, we say, I am healed. When we're in lack, we say, God provides. So we actually do this all the time. And this, this point in time where we don't want to pray and our feelings are talking to us, it's no different. So we can say the opposite of what those feelings are saying. I love praying. I love serving God. I love hearing from him. And when I do, never once have I regretted praying or spending time with God. I always get a sense of what he is doing. I always get something from God. And it doesn't mean that angels have visited me or, you know, I've heard the music of heaven in my own bedroom and, and had this just out there prayer time. It's usually pretty simple, but never, ever will you regret spending time with God. So it doesn't mean that we deny our feelings all the time. Sometimes our feelings deserve our full attention and that's fine. But sometimes those feelings need to be put in their place. Another thing that can really quell our hunger, our desire for God, is guilt and shame. I remember when I was about 16 or 17, I'd been a Christian for a few years, but I, I really didn't have a solid concept of God's grace. So at the time, my, my prayer time, so my daily kind of devotional time with God, was at night before I went to bed. And often in the morning, um, as I was on my way to the bus stop to go to school, I would pray to God, I would just chat with God. But if I hadn't prayed the night before, I would walk to the bus stop and I would often start to, to pray and I would stop myself and I would feel so guilty and so convicted that I hadn't prayed and I hadn't given that time to God that I should have, that I would actually say, oh, God doesn't want to hear from me today. I can't talk to God today because I didn't pray last night. And I would feel this burden of, of guilt and shame. And it was horrible. It was a horrible feeling. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 10, he says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And I, I love how well he puts this. He just lays out the steps, the process of how we should deal with sin. So he says, godly sorrow so by that, he means the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So we've, we've done something wrong, something that we regret, something stupid, and, and we feel bad about it. So that is, that's what he calls godly sorrow. But godly sorrow, he says, brings repentance, which means we go to God with those feelings of guilt and shame. We don't go away from him. So repentance 
is a beautiful thing that brings freedom. It was not just something that we did when we first got saved. You know, when we first got saved, we might have prayed a prayer, we repented from our old ways of life, and we committed to a new way with God. But when you're a Christian, repentance is just part of your lifestyle. I'm repenting constantly of things. Every day, every day I miss it. And every day I repent. God, I'm sorry, I, I, did, I missed that. I shouldn't have said that. I, I, I shouldn't have acted that way. That wasn't godly or whatever it is. So we just continually repent. And that's a good thing. It's, it's so freeing. And God forgives us so quickly. He's very quick to forgive. So godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Again, salvation being not something that just happened on that day that we got saved, but salvation being something that we continue to work out our whole Christian walk and leaves no regret. As in, we don't keep revisiting the sin, the past, those things we did that we regret. Because, as Paul says, worldly sorrow brings death. So worldly sorrow that draws us away from God, just like my guilt over not spending enough time with God, it didn't lead me to repentance, to dealing with it correctly in God. It led me away from him because I believed a lie that I couldn't talk to him because he was turning away from me because of what I had done. But that is not God. That is not his message. It would, just, it would be like if one of my children came to me and said, Mom, so great to see you. I'd love to sit down and have a chat with you. But I didn't say hello to you yesterday. And because of that, I feel so terrible and so bad. I just can't talk to you today. Like imagine if someone you love did that to you. Of, of course your reaction would be, no, don't. Like, it's okay. Let's just have a chat. We'll sort it out. What a waste of time not being together just because of this guilt and shame that you feel. And so Paul says it leads to spiritual death because it draws us away from God. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, in his book, The Blessing of God, he puts it really well. He says, most Christians don't know who they are. He says, you're either a sinner or you've been saved by grace, but you can't be both at the same time. If you're truly a sinner, then receive Jesus as your Lord and get saved. If you're already saved, then stop thinking of yourself as the same person you were before you were born again. And I just love how he says that. We can't be a sinner and saved at the same time. Because once we got saved and we accepted our salvation, we accept the message of the cross, which is that he took the sin. He took the punishment. So if we drag around our guilt and shame over things that we have done or things that we regret, and if we keep beating ourselves up for those things, we forget the very message of the cross, which is that, Yes, we were sinners. Yes, we deserved punishment for those sins. 
but that Jesus took that punishment for us. So we didn't have to be punished anymore. It's such a, an, an amazing thing. This, the fact that he died for us and took our place on that cross. He took the punishment. I almost got saved all over again just writing this message at my dining table. So we can't keep punishing ourselves and just throwing ourselves down in this pit of shame. You know, God takes no pleasure in us being down in that pit of shame. He does not want us there. And sometimes we believe the lie that we need to be there because of what we've done. It's kind of tempting in a way to beat ourselves up and to punish ourselves because we feel like we deserve it. And yes, we do, but not anymore because he took it. He took the punishment. So that's not for us anymore. We are saved by grace. So repentance is absolutely key here. Repentance that leads us to God and brings freedom. Revelation 3 verse 19 says, be earnest and repent. So be real with God. Be true to him. Repent of what you have done or said or thought that you shouldn't have. Repent without justifying sin or without getting defensive or blaming. Just be real with God and repent and receive forgiveness. Um, another thing that can kind of hold back our hunger for God is constantly questioning God. So some things in life are just confusing. You've all experienced that many times, I'm sure. I was reading in the Bible a few weeks ago. I, was, I happened to be reading Jonah. I had read the story, we all know Jonah and the whale, you know, Jonah tried to avoid God and he ended up in the belly of a giant fish and, you know, got spewed up on the beach and eventually did the right thing. I had read the story to my kids and I wanted to read it in the Bible, so I, I went and looked it up a bit later. And so I read the story and it was great. But have you ever read the last chapter of Jonah? It is insane. There's something, Jonah gets all weird with God and he starts to complain and, and God makes a tree grow overnight up over Jonah and then a worm comes and eats the tree and I'm reading going, what is going on here? And then I turn the page and that was it. It was, it was finished. I was like, there must be a page missing here. That can't be the end. There was no explanation. I, I was like, God, what is going on here? I couldn't really shed light on it. Um, not, that, not long afterward, randomly, or maybe not so randomly, I did actually hear a preacher talking about that very passage which shed some light on it, but I was still kind of confused. Um, so some things are just confusing, but I think what's even more confusing is just life itself. I mean, look at the past year that we've just been through and are still going through. I mean, who could have known? Who would have believed? You know, it's all just crazy. Um, I mean, just so many disappointments, so many things cancelled. I've got family over in another state that I just haven't seen in such a long time and it's very difficult. And it's really tempting to question God 
like, God, why have you let these things happen? Why didn't you intervene here? Why are things not working out the way that I thought they should? It's tempting to go there. But I have discovered that there is so much more freedom in accepting that we just might not know all the answers, that we just don't have the same understanding as God and that that is okay. Bill Johnson says, if we want the peace of God that goes beyond understanding, we have to give up the right to understand. And I thought that's so true. We just can't understand everything that is going on in the world or that God is doing even in our own lives. I remember being very confused about this years ago when I was younger and I heard Pastor Ruth preaching and she said, sometimes you just have to put things in a box in your mind, the heaven box, things I will ask God when I get to heaven. And I remember being so relieved when I heard her say that because I just had things that were a burden that I didn't understand. And I was so happy that I didn't have to try and make sense of them because it was too hard. It was too much. And so I am totally happy and totally fine to put things in that box and just say, God, you don't have to explain anything to me. I say, God, if you want to explain things to me, I would love to learn. I'd love to hear from you. But if you don't, I am fine with that. And the reason I can say that is because I know that God is good. Just like Eleanor was preaching over her communion message, he is good every single day with every person in all his dealings with us. He is good and just and fair. He is never, ever unfair. The Bible says that he loves justice. So I know that whatever happens, whatever goes on, I will be okay. If God chooses to explain it, great. If not, that is totally fine. And that is not to say at all that we never question God. The Bible encourages us to seek wisdom and understanding and insight. And I think a lot of that involves asking God why questions. So we certainly can ask him why, but we just have to be okay with the possibility that he might say, not now, or maybe never, and that's okay. God says in Isaiah 55 verse 2, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. So I have just really found for myself that questioning God and, and holding him hostage to, to those answers is labor that does not satisfy. It's hard work. It really is. It's exhausting, isn't it? Trying to understand what's happening or what is what is going on and, and just not getting the answer that you want or any answer at all. It's so tiring. But he says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. 
So he says, either way, you can still be satisfied. Whether you understand or whether you don't, God's satisfaction for our spirit is still available. So we will be fine either way. So that is just a few things that can stop us from having our hunger satisfied by God. You know, we can try and fill it with other things, um, you know, that, that don't satisfy us. The guilt and the shame can hold us back also from that satisfaction and so can questioning God. But listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If I could just get the band to come back up. Thank you. So when we recognize that hunger that we have in our spirits for God, we are blessed because it is right. It is so right to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for godliness, for the God who created us, for the God who loved us, for the God who sent his very son to save us and who took that punishment that we deserved. He took it for us in our place so that we wouldn't have to go through it. So when we hunger for God, we are blessed. And so we know that the only way to satisfy that deep hunger within us is with him. So let me pray for you, church, and we'll finish. Dear God, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for being here today. And God, even now, we just recognise the hunger within us for you we just, we bring that before you right now, God, and we acknowledge that our spirit is so hungry for you alone. And we remember today, God, that nothing, nothing will ever satisfy us, will ever give us that true peace except you. And so we just receive that peace right now we put all other things aside, all the things that we've been thinking about or struggling with, those questions that we have been trying to get answers for that just aren't coming. God, we lay those things before you right now. And we ask God that you would bring satisfaction to our spirits, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And I pray, God, for everyone here that as we take this away during the week, God, we can remember to go to you and to receive that perfect peace. Help us to make the time for you. Help us to ignore whatever our feelings are saying and to come to you and receive from you. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Cheese.